0: Uh, Virtual reality is becoming more and more accessible and these days getting more and more realistic. Uh, You can be in your living room and then put on some virtual reality goggles with some screens in them and with your headphones on, and then all of a sudden you can be transported into different realms, different universes, different times, anywhere right from your living room. It can also get so immersive that it can get people into trouble. Uh, people with the goggles on may think that they're walking through a rainforest, but then they end up walking into their coffee tables. Uh, they may think that they're fighting a monster, but they end up punching their TV screens. Because virtual reality is just that virtual, not real, a fake. Uh, in the first century, there were people who were saying that Jesus is a fake. Uh, virtual reality, that he wasn't really the Messiah, not really the Son of God, that he didn't actually rise. Uh, They were separating from the churches and trying to take people with them. Uh, Right now, in the year 2022, uh, people still continue to claim that Jesus was a fake. Uh, They claim that Jesus wasn't actually real or that he was just a nice bloke and that the resurrection is perhaps just a fairy tale and that he wasn't really the Messiah. Uh, They deny that Jesus is the Christ. And so, this is why the book of 1 John exists uh, to remind us of the reality of God's awesome, amazing love for us through Jesus, who is in fact the Messiah. It's written to encourage us to live as people who have been loved with an everlasting love. And it's been written to encourage us to not listen to those people who deny that Jesus is the Messiah but to keep on going because eternal life is in store. So John starts off this letter with his little prologue uh, by telling us that Jesus is, in fact, real life. Uh, Verse 1, look with me. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. Uh, At this stage of the early church, the apostles weren't getting any younger. Uh, The eyewitnesses weren't either. And in fact, they were also being killed off. They were being martyred. So there could have been a genuine concern that this movement, that the early church may have ended or stopped right with the first generation, that it may have died out as the eyewitnesses died out. So here, John urges the church to listen up. He's saying, listen up, this is real life. The word became flesh and is real. We heard this right from his mouth. We have seen him with our own two eyes. Not a vision, not a dream. We have looked at him. Don't believe us yet? Guess what? We have touched him. We've put our fingers in where the nails were. Jesus is real. Jesus has really died and really risen from the dead, physically. So, brothers and sisters, our faith and our hope isn't in a set of rules. It's not in a book. It isn't in a set of philosophical ideals. No, our faith and hope is in a real person who is alive, Jesus Christ. He really did turn up on earth. He really did perform all those miracles. He really did truly die on the cross. He really did rise again. This isn't virtual reality. This is reality. Uh, If we go searching we can find other sources from the first century who weren't Christian that testify and speak about Jesus. Uh, If we travel, we can go walk in the same streets as Jesus did. Real. But he wasn't just an ordinary person. Uh, Notice the very first sentence. That which was from the beginning... Now, apologies to all the English teachers out there because it's quite clunky English, but this is such beautiful news that God left the glories of eternity and came down for us. That Jesus, who was with the Father even before the creation of the heavens and the earth from the very beginning, came as a real person to bring us this real life. So look with me from verse 2. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to you to make our joy complete. Uh, We too can join in this real life. We too have the real hope of eternal life. Uh, But it's not just a case of uh, just twiddling our fingers and waiting around or slogging along until Jesus comes again. Uh, But we actually get to do life together. I want, if you notice this, that uh, John writes this so that we may have fellowship with them. So we may have fellowship with each other. We get to do life together. Uh, But this fellowship doesn't just mean having nice cups of tea after church. It means something so much deeper than that. It means being a family together, united by Christ together. It means sharing in the great times and supporting one another through the not great times. Rejoicing with those who rejoice and mourning with those who mourn. It may even mean calling out a close brother and sister when we see them living in sin and pointing each other back to the hope that we have in Jesus. You see, we're a family together. We participate in life together. And what an amazing privilege. This is so countercultural. Our worldly culture says, me, me, me. Yes, people may help out each other in the times of crisis, but otherwise it's all about the individual. But when we come to new life in Jesus we become part of something so much bigger and greater than ourselves. Uh, But this is no ordinary group. This isn't just like an ordinary charity or a social club. Uh, This is something completely different. See, we don't just have life and fellowship and relationship together within ourselves like a little huddle, but our fellowship is also with God. With God himself, our fellowship, our lives are entwined and gets caught up with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We're all united to God by his Spirit, which means that we don't just rely on each other, but we all collectively rely on God. We can have joy in his eternal goodness. We can rest in his changelessness. And live in the life that he has won for us for eternity and this isn't a thought experiment this isn't a simulation this isn't virtual reality this is our reality brothers and sisters that in Jesus we have life that in Jesus we get brought into and get to do life together that in Jesus, we have relationship with God himself. So then, where else could we possibly turn to? Where else have we to go? What other news in this world can compare to this brilliant news? So if you haven't yet turned to Jesus, perhaps if you're just joining us online and just having a look, or you're joining us here in person, you haven't made up your mind about Jesus yet. Friend, come join the party. It's such glorious news. Come and turn to Jesus. Because this is great news in a world which is filled with bad news, isn't it? This is such awesome light piercing through the inky blackness that is this world. Because this world is full of darkness. And what we mean by darkness is all sorts of corruption, injustice, mistreatment of other people and of creation, uh, immorality, uh, the things that people do that they don't really want their mates to know about them. Darkness. Uh, When people want to do something uh, immoral or morally corrupt, they usually do it behind closed doors away from everybody, in darkness. Darkness is not good. So if people are living in this darkness and living in these ways, how can we possibly trust anything in this world? If this world is full of darkness, how can we rely on it? How can we have hope in it? Well, there is great news that we have been rescued and brought up from this darkness by God. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. Uh, It seems like every single packet of food that you purchase at the supermarket these days has the phrase on it, may contain traces of nuts or this was made in a facility that processes nuts. Uh, This is a warning to people who may suffer anaphylactic shock. Don't buy or eat this product because it could be potentially life-threatening. But there is no such may contain traces of darkness warning with God. In God, there is no trace of darkness, no trace of injustice, of wrongdoing, of hypocrisy, No darkness because God is the light. He is the source of all goodness, all source of justice, mercy, and grace. See, even the best people in this world have flaws. Even the people that we look up to as mentors or as heroes have darkness in them. Even the greatest, most best superheroes in the Marvel and DC comics have bad villainous streaks in them. But not with God. He is good through and through. He is holy. He is completely radically different to us and not impacted by this fallen world as we all are. Which means that we can trust in him. We can rely on him. He is really the only sure thing in this world of uncertainty so then this also has an implication on us. If we claim to follow him, if we claim that we are part of his family and that we have fellowship with him, if we say that we belong to him, but don't live as people of the light, well, John says that we are liars and hypocrites. Uh, Look with me at verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. It's quite simple, isn't it? If we claim to be part of the family of God, then we should live as people who are part of God's family. But if we don't have a changed life, if instead of walking with God, we find ourselves walking in corruption and sin and darkness, we're called out here as liars. Now, it's important to note here that John isn't talking about individual sin. We don't have to become perfectionists or legalists. We don't have to reach a sinless perfectionism. In fact, we can't. But John here is talking about continuously living a life against how God wants us to live. See, if the condition of our hearts doesn't match with the proclamation of our lips then something isn't quite right. If we say that we are people of the light but continuously walk in darkness, then we are liars. So this is a bit of a diagnostic test on our hearts, isn't it? Is our faith in Jesus something that we have consented into mentally or haptiped to and say, oh, that's good, Or is it actually something that we have given our whole lives to? Uh, Does Jesus just have a section of our lives? Or does he encompass all of our lives? Both on our front lines and behind our front doors. Because we have such a great hope. There is such a great hope for those who have been walking in darkness. Uh, This is all of us who have been walking in darkness previously. See, as we turn our whole lives towards Jesus and as we turn away from darkness, it says here that Jesus' blood washes away all the darkness and all the sin. That we are made pure and clean simply because of Jesus' death and resurrection for us once and for all. A clean slate for eternity. Uh, nappy sand is wonderful stuff, isn't it? Uh, you can soak your grass-stained cricket whites in it, uh, your t-shirts with tomato sauce spilt down it, uh, your coffee-stained white pants in it, and they come out brilliantly white, restored to their original state again. Uh, but there's a bit of a problem. Uh, the cricket whites will get grass stains again. I will continuously get bolognese down my, t- my white t-shirt if I wear a white one. And coffee will find its way into almost anything. Clothes need constant re-soaking and re-washing and constant washing gets exhausting. Uh, But for us and for our sin, there is no need for constant re-washing. There is no need for constant sacrificing like under the old covenant before Jesus. Because Jesus has done it all once and for all. He has lifted us from the muddy, dirty, sinful darkness of this world, washed us, and made us pure and right to live with him. He has forgiven us completely. His death is like the ultimate nappy sand that has made us white as snow. And so then no darkness can ever take us away from him. And there is no amount of darkness that he can't wash away no matter what we have done in the past. And we can live in the real life and the real light because of what Jesus has done for us. But note, we can't be perfect. No matter how hard we try and pull up our socks, we can't be perfect and without sin. But we don't have to be. Uh, Being a perfectionist is such a heavy weight and a burden. But we can be free from this. But we have such a great gift. All we have to do is acknowledge our sins, confess them, and God will forgive us. Sins, gone. Burdens, gone. Darkness, brilliantly lit up. The anchor that is perfectionism, lifted. Uh, The massive debt that we could never afford, paid for in full. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Uh, When we find ourselves in sin, uh, the temptation might be to try and cover it up, to make ourselves look good. But then this sin can become like a burden that infiltrates every area of our lives. Sin that is left uncontested can rot and fester like a banana left in the bottom of a school bag. But it doesn't have to be like that. God has given us such a precious gift himself. He has come rushing for us in love, despite the fact that we have had our burks turned against him. Which means uh, we don't have to worry about our sin. We don't have to be ashamed of our past. But simply come to God, confess, and we will have forgiveness. This is like the massive circuit breaker in the cycle of sin. Acknowledging it. Being of one mind with God, admitting it, that we have sinned that we need forgiveness, Uh, confessing it to God and maybe even uh, confessing it to a close brother or sister. Now, also notice how God is described in verse 9 here. God is faithful and God is just. Uh, God is faithful. He won't hold back forgiveness if we ask for it. He won't go, oh, That sin? No, I can't forgive that sin. Oh, oh, you've come to me so many times, not this time again. No, he will forgive us because he is a faithful God and he doesn't do this begrudgingly, but absolutely lovingly. He's a faithful, compassionate, gracious and kind God, not waiting to smite us out of anger, but wanting for us to turn to him so that he can shower us with grace and mercy. God is also just. Uh, Sin has been punished. It hasn't just been forgotten, left by the side unpunished. That would be unjust. But Jesus has taken the punishment on our behalf. Every sin dealt with. Every sin forgiven. Every dark and mouldy corner of our lives has been brilliantly exposed and purified, made clean. A clean slate that lasts for eternally. So then, there's no need for any shame. No need for any guilt. When we sin, we shouldn't shame ourselves or dwell on it, but rather come to God in confession. The seemingly insignificant sins all the sins that we would hate for anybody to know about. God has forgiven you. And so we can have freedom and joy. Because this is completely and utterly real. The eternal life that is in store for us is so real. The forgiveness of sins that has been won for us because of Jesus is completely authentic. Uh, This isn't virtual reality. This isn't fantasy. This isn't too good to be true. This is real life. So if you haven't yet experienced this forgiveness, if sin is weighing you down, friend, come to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Confess, and all of this forgiveness will be completely yours, completely free, because of God's amazing grace. If you have, friends, let's just remember and bask in the amount of love that God has for us. That He is faithful, that He is just. That his forgiveness is complete, that there is no more darkness, no more sin, no more guilt, no more shame, just amazing freedom in the relationship with him that we have that lasts for eternity. So let's pray and give thanks. Gracious Lord, how we thank you for your amazing, unending love for us. We thank you that you love us so much that you would come for us, leave the glories of heaven, and come and die for us. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray for anybody here who doesn't yet know you, hasn't yet turned, Lord, may you help them to see the freedom that's on offer in you, the forgiveness that's on offer in you, that they may turn and be saved. Heavenly Father, for those of us who have heard the gospel story so many times, Lord, help us to never lose our awe and our wonder at just how magnificent this is, that it may transform every area of our lives, And that you'll be helping us to be bold in proclaiming this with all that we are, all that we have, all that we do, all that we say. So that those people in our front lines who don't know you may come and have fellowship with us, fellowship with you, and make our joy complete. And how we ask this in your son's name. Amen.